I was a uh, practicing clinician working in a home health agency model. I wasn't allowed to dose my patients as per best practice guidelines. So I said, there's gotta be a way to do this better. My, my grandmother and my grandfather, I started seeing them going in and out of long-term care. It started personal seeing the sick side of 80 and now it's been exciting to be part of Fox. Light bulb moment, like that's a complete game changer. You can see what we can do as a practice and as treating clinicians to really make 80, 85 look so much different than it did back that long ago. And boil it down into one say, it's quite simply this, it's be stronger, live better longer. Welcome to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast, the podcast dedicated to clinicians who work with older adults. My name is Jim Shear, and today my co-host will be all pro Fox physical therapist, Alex Germano. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jim. So, Alex, today we are going to talk about five unique outcome measurements for higher functioning older adults. Yep. Now, that is a mouthful, but can you break it down? Absolutely. So, especially with us at Fox Rehabilitation, we're in a unique position to see some of these higher functioning older adults. They're living at home still, they may drive in the community. They are um, living their lives really well and really meaningfully. And um, sometimes what happens is when we go and eval these patients and evaluate them, they sometimes don't show up on a lot of the outcome measures we like to use. So like we'll use something very familiar to us, like a five times sit to stand test, and they'll blow it out of the water. And in our mind, we're like, oh no, like you're fine. You're nothing's wrong with you. And so then we leave those people and we don't end up picking them up on our caseloads or maybe we don't really treat them. And it's just due to the fault of those outcome measures. And the patients are so high level that it's not being captured well on that outcome measure, what faults that they could still have. So the thing that's important is that these patients, though they are higher functioning or higher level, still sometimes have the beginnings of deficits in their balance, strength, power, output, et cetera. And those deficits can really manifest themselves pretty bad, like later on in their lives, right? Like a few years from now, they might have a big loss of independence after a fall or something like that. And I think Fox's whole motto is like being able to be more proactive versus reactive. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking about ways that we can be more proactive with the higher functioning population. No, it makes sense to me. You want to have an older adult healthy and strong preventing a fall. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think like we're in a great position to do that, but we want to make sure we're giving those, those people a fair shakeout, a full assessment and making sure we're not leaving anything on the table so that we don't leave them early, you know, like too early. And then we don't address like some big issues that'll manifest themselves a little bit later on. All right. So Alex, let's get into this. You write about the ceiling effect. Can you explain what this is? So interestingly enough, a lot of the measurements that we choose. So for the Berg balance scale is a great example. The Berg balance scale is a very much a go-to for an older adult balance outcome measure. The Berg balance scale, if used in a community dwelling population, so people who are living independently at home, can tend to have this ceiling effect. And what that typically means is that most of the values obtained from that test approach the upper limit of the scale, meaning a lot of people who do the Berg balance assessment and are living independently at home score really high on the Berg. They score a 52 out of 56. The components of it aren't difficult enough to really show any deficit. 
So a lot of people concealing it out. Now, great, the Berg Balance Scale in maybe the acute care, skilled nursing facility, assisted living facility may show a lot more. Right. But once we're trying to apply it to people living in the community, we might be getting people scoring really high, like in the high 40s, 50s. And we're writing people off like saying, you don't have a problem when actually it's just a ceiling effect that that outcome measurement has. Whoa. Okay. So you've come up, well, you, you've listed. I have, I've curated a list. You, you, you've, yeah. you've curated a list. Once again, five unique outcome measurements for higher functioning older adults. You use these five measurements, you get a clear picture, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Like if you use any one of these measurements, you might get a better picture of someone's capacity. All right, you you want to go through them? Yeah, let's absolutely Should we do it. should we say spoiler alert because concurrently you're also writing an article for our website. So I don't know what's going to hit yeah. first. Should it's, we say spoiler alert? Yeah, sure, for sure. We will say it <laughs> and maybe it's already being posted on the blog, who knows. But if you're a visual person and you prefer that, there is going to be an article written about this. Yeah. So, if you're visual, turn off the podcast read the article, but maybe you could use the article to supplement this or vice versa. All right. Absolutely. Number one, we've got five of these. Uh, mm -hmm. Mini balance evaluation systems test. This is a, yes. a series of exercises, right? Yes. The mini best is, um, has many components to it. So the good thing about that is you can get a lot of information about this, this measure or about your patient's function by doing this test. You may only do this one outcome measure with them because it gives you so much information that you don't need to do a few different ones. Yeah, like what are you what are you looking for? Because one of the exercises is you're just standing on one leg, right? During that test or during like the whole test? What do you mean? Like, um, yeah, when, you, when you're going through the test, like someone's balancing on one leg. Yeah. What are you analyzing at that point? I am analyzing how for this test specifically, how long they can stand in that position. Like, and some people might be looking at quality, but for this test purposes, if they can stand on their one foot for 20 seconds, then they're good to go. That's a normal score. Less than 20 seconds is a score of one. And then zero seconds is a score of zero. You're going to catch a lot of folks who are older have trouble standing the full 20 seconds on one leg during this test. Now, how many tests are within the, the mini best? So there's four big sections, okay. which is nice. So there's the anticipatory postural control section. There's a sensory orientation section. And there's also a um, reactive balance section as well as a dynamic gait section. So if you're thinking really clinically, that's amazing. I'm getting a ton of information about my patient's ability across four spectrums of balance. And I can really hone in on like where their deficit is. Some people might do great with anticipatory postural control, getting out of a chair, standing on one leg. People may nail it. And if we only assess that one thing, we're going to miss a lot of other things, right? When actually their big issue is with reactive postural control. When I'm asking them to fall forward or fall backwards, they have no reaction at all. That's really a tough place for someone to be with no reactive stepping. And if I don't do a test with reaction, I'm never going to know that about my patient. So that's where like the Berg kind of fails us is because it's really, really hones in on anticipatory postural control and like some sensory orientation. It doesn't really look at tons of reactive or dynamic gait pieces. So I like this one as just a more complete picture. All right. So let's go to measurement number two, the one minute sit to stand test. Yep. And this is someone, do you do the, like they cross their arms? Yes chair against mm -hmm. the wall because you would never want that chair to slip out. 
And you're yeah, trying to see I, how many times they can sit and stand within a minute? Yep, in one minute, which is, so if you're thinking about what's typical in the rehab world, we typically see five times sit to stand, just five repetitions, or a 30 second sit to stand. Those are cool, but the 60 second is a whole nother ball game, right? Doubling the amount of time somebody has to do sitting and standing, which can give us maybe a better picture of lower body functional capacity in terms of like both endurance and maybe power and strength. I like it because it's like minimal time, minimal equipment. Again, it's only going to measure one thing though. So it's a little bit of a balancing act. I probably need to do another measurement another outcome measure with this one, because this is only giving me information about somebody's sitting to standing ability. It also is being shown to be like a good alternative to the six minute walk test, which is interesting because six minute walk test versus a minute sit to stand test, you know, time efficiency wise, what am I going to want to do? It's, it's kind of like out there in the world, not the best, like most established normative values about like what's normal, what's not. There is some population based reference values, but, uh, we're learning more about like what is a minimally, um, clinically important difference in this test and things like that. So a little bit on the newer spectrum, but if you have that higher functioning older adult, get them doing this 60 second sit to stand. They're going to feel a lot different. And then whatever you find out during this test, you could mm -hmm. maybe apply another one yes, to get a, a more clear picture. All right. So let's yep. go to number three, floor transfer test. Now mm -hmm. I've seen this where people are lying on the floor and then stand up. Sometimes yeah, people like, just sitting on the floor and stand up. Do you go laying down or sitting down? This goes from a standing position to seated on the floor and then back to standing. So a little different than that. Like there was like a hot article that came out that if you can stand off the floor without the use of your hands or something that you're like less likely to die in a certain amount of years. I don't know. There was like something crazy that came out about that a long time ago. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, it is quite hard. <laughs> so this one is just standing to floor to standing um, and seated on the floor is what they they say. So that, that would be the norm. And what are you looking for in this test? This is actually just a speed test. So we lack a lot of established values for this one. However, it does give a really interesting, interesting view into someone's functional capacity, as well as doing a skill that's very vital for somebody living independently in their house, being able to get up and off the floor. It has been researched in stroke and chronic strokes, which I thought is interesting because it's not a normal population you would think would do really well, like with such a big transfer, given like some of the mobility limitations and strength limitations after a stroke. But it's a great screening tool. So I would look for time during this test. Like when we're looking at it, we're looking for a time. So like it took them a minute to do the stand, sit, stand. Mm hmm versus, you know, I might measure it in two months from now and now they can do it in 30 seconds or 45 seconds. And that's how we can see the improvement on this test. Is there a wrong way to get up in this test? Like you can put your so. hands down, you can go on your knees. Nope, not okay. at all. And it's, it would be interesting to just like, while, you know, watching somebody do this, watching the quality in which they're moving too, right? Like what's their preferred strategy of getting on and off the floor? Do they complain of any spots that look the most difficult? And that's where you can then come in and treat really well, right? Like, cause you saw them do it, you saw where it was tough and then you just do that as treatment and it's great, it's very effective. This is good stuff, Alex. <laughs> like when you say certain things, I'm like, oh yeah, like I never even thought of that. So um, <laughs> unique outcome measure number four. Mm -hmm. And this almost sounds like a mini obstacle course. Yes. Because there's there's props involved. Community balance and mobility scale. Yes, the community balance and mobility scale. This is definitely um, the highest level one, I think, that is present on my list. 
it is a beast. It takes about <laughs> 20, they say it takes about 20 to 30 minutes to establish uh, or to administer the test. So that's quite a long time, but it can give you um, like a really sharp picture into decline in someone's balance. It can, it's very sensitive towards decline in balance, which is just what we want in a screening tool. We want to pick up the really tiny changes so we can kind of really decide who's going to benefit from rehab in this like preventative nature versus like somebody like reactively that we're seeing. And the great thing is there's a ton of age reference data across the spectrum. So we can apply this to a lot of our patients. There is 13 items on the test. There are things like walking with head turns, carrying objects, walking up and down the stairs. And then there's power activities, which I think is really interesting, such as running and jumping. And like running could be like, I'm saying running, but like, you know, moving quickly as fast right. as possible, running and jumping are in there. So if we really want to learn more about somebody's reactive capacity, I need to know how powerful they are as a person. And this test provides me the ability to see how powerful they are. Yeah. This test is a mammoth jamma. You need a laundry basket or a box, two seven pound weights, bean bags, a visual target. I mean, it sounds kind of fun. It is. Yeah, I think. And then the cool thing with these tests that are so many items is like if somebody has trouble hopping forward or uh, crouching and walking, which is two of the items on this test, you literally can just do those two things for treatment. Right. I'm going to do hopping and I'm going to do crouch walking with this person. So it literally it helps cut down on like the mental burden, too, of like, what do I do with somebody like you have these test items? They failed them. Work on those, you know. And that will bring us to the fifth unique outcome measure, mm. the 3M backwards walk assessment. Before yes. you get into it, what does the 3M stand for? Meters. Oh, three me okay. meters. Okay, meters, meters, yeah. okay. <laughs> I want to read, I want to read a line. Studies are beginning to reveal that walking faster than three seconds on this measurement were unlikely to report falling, mm -hmm. but a score over 4.5 seconds we're likely to have reported falling. So yep. I would think someone's walking faster backwards, they're more likely to fall. Studies suggest the opposite is happening. We are looking for speed in this test. If somebody is taking a really long time to navigate backwards because of, you know, they're, a lot of the time it's just uncertainty, right? A lot of people aren't walking backwards, so they are nervous to do it. Yeah, we're actually looking for a speed of less than three seconds. Again, this is a test that's, I would say, probably the newest on the block, not maybe new, but like in research terms, like it's only a few years in. So like it is very new in the research world. So we don't have like normative data. It does do a good job. It's highly diagnostic for retrospective falls. So if people have fallen in the past, but I think it's still a nice uh, thing to look at because a lot of the other measurements that I reported today didn't really assess backwards walking. So it is kind of nice. And can I sum this up by using yeah. your words? Sure, do that. So <laughs> Alex Germano writes, by using these more challenging outcome measures, I have been better able to identify those with more subtle deficits in balance and strength. Yep, absolutely. And those are the people I want to catch. Those are the people I want to help before they have a life-altering fall, um, hospitalization, et cetera. Because those are the people we can really make an impact with. The key here, dig a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. Do something new. Yeah. Will you? Uh, will you stick around for one more segment? Absolutely. I wanna. I wanna put you on the hot seat. Okay. So, <laughs> more. More with Alex Germano coming up next. 
So if you are enjoying this episode of Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast, just know that we put out an episode every single week available to listen and download on all of your favorite streaming platforms. And if you like it, make sure to comment, leave a review, and please subscribe. All of that helps in the long run. And if you want more clinical content, you can go to our website, foxrehab.org, and look for the link, Fresh Fox Content. Our clinicians are consistently publishing articles that dig a little deeper in the worlds of physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech language pathology. So once again, all of this clinical excellence can be found at foxrehab.org. Click on the link, Fresh Fox Content. We are back on Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. I am joined by the PT All-Pro, Alex Germano. Hi there, Jim. A a must-follow on Instagram. (laughs) You're you're the best. You're the best on Instagram. Thank you. I appreciate it. Agent92, if people out there want to follow. That's me. Agent92. So, Alex, when I dove headfirst into the world of healthcare about 10 months ago, I quickly realized that there are a ton of acronyms. It's almost like its own language. So Alex, today on the Live Better Longer podcast, would you like to take the acronym challenge? I'll do my best. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> no, you don't you don't have to. You can say no and we can no, small talk and end the episode. All right. <laughs> All right, so th- this one I've actually heard before. So I okay. would think this is a home run for you. F O-M. Functional outcome measure. Yeah. All right. So if if someone's listening, not super into healthcare, trying to learn more about the healthcare field, what is FOM? Uh, Functional outcome measures are screening tools that we use in order to identify deficits within our patients. So just like all the ones we talked about today. So everything we talked about, those were FOMs. They absolutely are. There you go, kids. All right. So let's let's dig a little deeper. A F O. Um, oh, articulating. Mm, I no, don't. no, I Something pulled, I, I yanked it. I yanked this off a website. I was going to say it's orthotic is the last one, but that's funny. Um, I actually don't know. Oh, ankle foot orthosis. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, articulating. I tried to make it more complicated than it was. Yeah. No, what is ankle foot orthosis? Yep. It, it is right. Okay. I'm not, you know, no, up. you got it right. But what do you know okay. what that is? Yeah, it's just a device that can be used to help uh, brace someone's lower extremity in a variety of different ways in order to allow for more controlled movement of their foot. I'm telling you, I'm t- you're the all-pro. The <laughs> all-pro PT, Alex Germano. All right, last one. Yep. L-O-A. Um, I mean, I was only thinking leave of absence, but <laughs> <laughs> that's probably not what we were going for. So what is it? You need some help? Yeah, I need help. Um, do you want the L, the O, or the A? The L. Level? Level of something. I don't know. Level of? 
assist level of assist yeah that makes a lot of sense (laughs) do you do you use that in your day-to-day i do think of assist levels very often throughout my day though i've never heard the term i've never like noticed or heard the term acronym loa like when pts are hanging out they're like oh yeah that loa and this loa (laughs) not as much as you think you you went two for three that's pretty good yeah all right so before we go yep um weekend is coming up what does Alex Germano do on a, a regular weekend when you don't have any work? Like what's, yes, what's, I, what's like a, a fun day for you? I need to know. Oh, a fun day for me is wake, getting to wake up and drink my coffee and chill before I get to work out. I like to not rush into the gym in the mornings, but most mornings I do. Are you, are you um, working out throughout the whole week? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Like you five, feel like a, a workout week. fiend. You go yeah. five days a week. At least, yeah. All right, so coffee, gym, continue. Coffee, gym with or gym with my husband. Um, spending a lot of time with. We have two dachshunds, so if you're a dachshund lover, I have two of them. They're crazy, so we like to go for a long walk if it's nice. We live in Annapolis, so if it's if the weather's better, we sail or paddleboard. Um, but honestly, what I really love to do is like I love to clean my house. I know that sounds awful, but it's very therapeutic to me. So you definitely will find me cleaning or organizing something on the weekends. And it's not because I have to or it's a chore. It's because I truly love to. And that's probably an illness that I need to work through. But So yeah. then the day is coming to an end. Yep. Are you watching a movie? Are you watching TV? Are you listening to music? How do you close out the day? Like to read a book. Me and my husband love to read. So a lot of reading and chilling on the couch with the dogs. Wow. You're working out. You're getting outside. <laughs> You're reading. You're an all pro PT. I teach my patients. I got to live the life. I think, I think after this conversation, I want to be Alex Germano. Oh my gosh. What a compliment. Can can I be you? I will give you all the goods. Just let me know. (laughs) Well, you'll have to come back because you're a, you're a podcast veteran. So we'll do if, if it's on our website and the website is foxrehab.org, go under the link. Fresh Fox content, and if it's not there now, it will be there shortly. The article is titled, Five Unique Outcome Measurements for Higher Functioning Older Adults. There you go. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. So, for Alex Germano, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yens later. Mm-hmm.